So if you are the type of person that really struggles with change when we mix stuff up, I have a word from the Lord for you this morning. Get over it. Okay? (laughs) So maybe not from the Lord, but I think he would support it uh, today. So uh, we're going to do something a little different with Mother's Day. Uh, We thought it would be fun to invite up some moms uh, to be part of a panel with us uh, and talk about all things motherhood, um, all things uh, kids and, and relationships with husbands and how you take care of your own spiritual life with a million things to do in the day. And so uh, I had dirt on all three of these ladies. And so I bribed them slash threatened to expose the secret that I knew uh, if they didn't come up. No, just kidding. Uh, these are three of the best moms that I know. Um, and... There are 50 others that could have easily came up here, uh, but again, these were ones who owed me something. So so about a week ago, I put a post on the Realm asking for you to submit questions. And so I have some questions here that were submitted, and I have some that I made up, and some, and I gave them a peek at the questions so they could, you know, kind of prepare, but I asked them not to, like, write out everything, right, so that they could just share from their heart today. So uh, we're going to do that. I might also throw some random questions at them um, if I think it's funny enough. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we're going to try this. So I'm going to pass. I mean, you guys are going to use this mic here. So why don't we start? We'll go down. Each of you share a little bit about yourself and your family. Kind of introduce yourself to everybody. Okay. My name is Betty. Um, my uh, John, my husband, is ill today, but he's my uh, great husband and supporter and cheerleader. And then um, we have three children, Daniel, you all know, Rebecca, and Elizabeth, my oldest, who was born on Mother's Day and made me a mother. I'm Terry, married to Dave, and he came to support me and disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe he thinks I'm going to embarrass him, I don't know. And we have a horde, or quiver, or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Uh, A few of them went to heaven to meet us when we get there, and the rest of them stayed around here. So I'm looking forward to a reunion, and as... Betty said, he, Dave's my cheerleader and my backup and my partner and my other half or whatever you want to call him. And I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm <laughs> blessed cook. over and over again Very by good cook, what the yes. Lord's given me. And, and cook, cook, yes. And bottle washer and, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, my name is Lisa, and I am married to Casey, and I'll try to say... Nice things about him. I know. I'm like, whoa, there's so much. What is he going to say? And we have four kiddos. Um, Our oldest is 25, uh, 23, 16. Shout out to Ethan. He's like, please don't talk about me. But there he is. And um, 13-year-old girl, so three boys and a girl. And um, I feel like 
I'm not going to cry yet, but these two ladies right here are... Sorry, guys. But first I really, question, first question, and <laughs> you're in tears. I like, I told Casey, like, I can't sit next to them. Like, I, like, I just look up to them so much, and I, like, as a mom, I would think sometimes, like, what would they do, you know? Because, like, they're just those people for me. So thank you for being those people. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. You're so kind. Um, all right, well, maybe uh, tell us what your favorite part is about being a mom, and, and we can just kind of go round robin here. If you have something to share, you can share. I don't feel like you have to answer everyone, but what's your favorite part about being a mom? Um, so my favorite part, I, I, hmm, I really like the creative part of it, just like doing goofy things with the kids and always thinking like, I guess more practical creativity. Um, I like to do... Um, just think of something that would like establish something in our family that I wanted, like a tradition, or like would help them to learn something that I wanted them to learn. And um, so, just being kind of goofy but creative, I like that part. And like being in charge, so they have to do what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> like I don't have to convince them. Like I'm just like you're doing this with us. Like I, I like that part. <laughs> I, I love, you know, from the birth process where you just fall in love with this little human being that God's blessed you with through everything he creates in them, the masterpiece he's creating them to be. I just love watching that. Sometimes I, I sit back and I'm in awe of how God's created himself in them. Well, uh, you know how they say certain gifts kind of skip a generation and go to the next. Well, the, the, my mother was very creative and made up these terribly wonderful stories that my children just loved sitting and listening to. But it kind of skipped me. And then it went to my kids. And I think one of the things I really loved was watching them create their own little worlds and interact together. Uh, they were very close, and watching them play and create was, wow, just amazing and really blessed me and still does to this day. Awesome. So what was your uh, least favorite or the hardest part about being a mom? <laughs> and Daniel is not an appropriate answer to this question. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, the, the teen years were very challenging. <laughs> we, have a whole, we have a whole group of questions okay, around right. the teen years coming up. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the times where they, they want to put their fists up and go into a boxing match, that's the hard times. <laughs> Um, I would say something that I've had to work on really as a mom is I really don't do good in um, like scary situations where like a kid does something like a bone is hanging out or <laughs> blood is everywhere and having three boys like that happens like all the time and um, so I'm usually 
I'm not good at it. I, it's really hard for me. Like I'm like hyperventilating and <laughs> Casey's saying, just calm down, just calm down. And you know, so that's something that is not, doesn't come natural to me. So I would say it's really hard for me. Yeah, we have a punch card at the ER. So if we have <laughs> enough visits, next one's free. So if a kid pops off, no, I'm just kidding. Um, just a joke. Do not call parenting services, please. Uh, <laughs> So we got a lot of questions about, um, you know, life is so busy right now, I think busier than any time probably in history, and, you know, there, uh, um, there's so much to do. In all of that, how do you take time to, or how have you found time, or what, in what ways have you been able to cultivate your relationship with God amidst everything that's happening uh, in your lives and everything that needs to be done? I, um, I'm not a great multitasker unless I can absolutely shut everything out around me. If I can live in a box and shut everybody and everything around me, then I can, I'm a speed demon. But, you know, life doesn't really allow you to do that a lot. Um, so my relationship with the Lord had to get nurtured after everyone went to sleep at night. Um, it was the only way I could really feel restored was to be totally alone. And uh, mornings were not good for me. And so after everyone went to sleep at night, that's when, uh, that's when I had the special time of just soaking in the Lord and seeking him, you know. So... I think there's a, I'm a morning person, so my cup of tea and spending that time with the Lord, um, I've got the luxury more now. When you got babies, you know, around them, it's not so easy, you know, because they wake up <laughs> at really odd times, and you're just surviving a lot of time in the morning. Um, you know, the bat hole, shut the bathroom door. <laughs> that, you know, spend a little extra time and people are knocking on it. You know, you, you can spend that time. A um, couple of things, you know, as I've had a little more free time is <laughs> when you go out and pull the weeds, nobody wants to come out and join you. I had a lot of time with the Lord then, you know. And, and um, I love exercising, running, you know. While I'm running, I am communicating with the Lord the entire time. And like I say, that's another thing that a lot of people don't want to go along with you with, you know. But also, <laughs> I've, I've got a sub-level in my brain where I can have a constant communication with God going on, and my forefront is still doing what it has to do. So I'm blessed in that way. Um. Yeah, like I'm learning things right now. But um, I would say, like for me, um, when um, our youngest was a baby, it was just like God time's gonna be with her, you know. And like there were a lot of times, like her lullabies were worship songs that I was singing, you know. That like that's when I see when I hear those songs, I remember those times with her. And um, 
I think like as they got as they got a little older, even when our youngest was a toddler, um, I would have God time, and like they knew, I would say it's God time, and they knew that meant like you can sit next to me, but don't talk to me right now because I'm talking with God, and just like there was a certain place I sat. Um, I would have my coffee mug, I'd have my Bible, maybe a devotional book, but that was like God time, and they, they knew, like I had to train them, like as it, unless, unless there is blood coming out of you in some way, like don't come, don't interrupt God time, that's like a special time that I'm having with him, which I think was good for them to see um, also, and now um, it doesn't work as well, like with uh, teenagers, um, and so now it's like the other day I had a conversation with Jordan, our 13-year-old, and she said, Mom, why are you spending so much time in the bathroom? It's because that's where I can, I can lock myself in, you know, and be with God in, like, minimal interruption, right? At least they're not, like, she's not standing right in front of me, so, like, that's my time. My entrepreneurial mind is working, like, design, redesigning a toilet where <laughs> you could have your books and, sorry, that's <laughs> And I tried to adapt the God time into sports center time for dad, but it never, never worked as well. So, Speaking of dads, uh, could you tell us uh, any practical ways or what your approach or what you did around cultivating the relationship with your husband and not just your husband, but with others? Because um, you were built for a community, but as a mom, I think you can get pretty isolated in that world. So what did you do to build relationships with your husband and or others uh, around you to support you? Uh, so Casey and I went from zero kids to two kids we um, adopted through foster care. And um, then all of a sudden from two kids to four kids. And um, like I was at first working um, and then realized that doesn't work with four kids all of a sudden. Like, I was still learning. Like, I'd never been around babies before. So I was, like, cramming. Like, what do you do with a baby? I have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, and we had some significant um, stuff to work through with our kiddos. Um, but we, like, right away thought, um, and this was something I think that we got from John and Betty, was having a date night. Yeah, we, that's important. Like, we, like, realized right away, we have to do this. And we lived in Las Vegas at the time, and so we didn't have family around. We didn't, like, the, and, and it for, because they were in foster care, they had to have somebody that's over a certain age that was background checked to watch them. And so it was like, what are we going to do? So we would um, haul, uh, haul all four kids to the casino. <laughs> This is <laughs> my best parenting advice. But at the casinos, they had, um, like, they called it Kids Quest. And my kids still remember Kids Quest. It was like this giant, it was like a, a, a smaller version of, like, Disneyland. I mean, there was, like, everything there. And we could check them in because everybody was background checked. And then we would, like, go watch a movie or go out to dinner. And then we could come back and pick them up. And it, it cost like a good sum of money to do that. But it's something that was so important to us that even when we were like, wow, that's a lot of money. I don't know if we can do this. It was like, we have to figure out how to do this because we have to have that time together. And like our kids knew like, mom and dad are gonna spend time together. Like we had to say like our, my relationship with dad trumps my relationship with you. You know, like I'm gonna spend time with dad because that's important and that's really how we felt like we could um, really set our family up right, I guess. And I'm not really good at the other part of it with relationships with other people. Um, I'm still learning how to do that well, so I don't really have much to say about that. 
Um, I'm blessed to have a husband who digs his heels in and demands his time, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm one who can easily be, I, I, would, I work two jobs for most of our marriage and, and homeschooled and, and was in ministry, so, and in part of a worship team, and you know, that just draws you here and there and everywhere. And he would just put on the brakes and say, nope, <laughs> you know, it goes or I go, you know. I don't know that he really would have, but <laughs> anyway, so I was blessed that way. Well, um, sometimes you have to get creative at date night, and it may not necessarily be go going out of the house, but um, the, I think the important thing is that you have some alone time that you can spend together and communicate. And uh, I mean, from the beginning, uh, what drew us together was our common commitment to the Lord. And so we just really supported each other strongly in that. And um, I, I think because I, by the time we moved up here, um, John went back to school at a certain stage in our life, and so I worked part-time when uh, the kids were really little and then by the time we moved up here I was um, I started homeschooling so I don't know the um, and I didn't work outside the home so and my mother moved up here and moved in with us so you know I had a lot of advantages at that point when mom moved in because we could put the kids down for the night and then John and I could just go out and do something and all those little gifts helped a lot so have your mother-in-law move in with you. I don't know if we're all buying that advice. <laughs> no, it's a good. Uh, one question that was submitted is, uh, when can you talk about a time when you had a situation with your family where you had no control and God came through in a big way? Yes, I knew right away. But, uh, um, as I said, I homeschooled and... Um, you know, you sort of, when you're uh, young, you have this uh, idea that, gosh, if I do A, B, and C, I'm going to get D, you know, and um, you, you think you're in control and that there are all these wonderful things you can do and it's going to produce these wonderful children. And, um, <clears throat> and, you know, that's just not the way it works. You I mean, you think you're in control and you find out very soon when you're raising children there is a limit. Of course, when they're very little, you control a lot of things. But as they grow older, there's just a lot you have absolutely no control over. And I remember sitting um, before the Lord one day and realizing, you know, <coughs> my, I'm really good at getting my kids to repeat this catechism about the Lord, and they say all the right things, but I could tell it that's what it was. They were just repeating the right things. And I just said, oh, God, I can't. I need to see life in them, Lord. Um, and I just, so I just committed myself to praying for life in them. And, um, and you know, he, praise God, he didn't make me wait too, too long. We were sitting at the dining room table, and my youngest had, God had given her a dream the night before, and um, 
Uh, I'm kind of sketchy on the details, but basically, John and I were in one location and the kids were in another and an angel told her, I'm gonna take you to where your parents are. And I realized, oh, that, and from that point on, I started to see the life that I was looking for in their own, their faith started to become their faith and not a reenactment of my faith or John's faith. And I was just, and still am eternally grateful. Prayer. The, the, the key there is what I'm trying to say is we're not in control and praying and seeking God and giving it to him and waiting on him is the only way. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I, just now, you know, because I've been contemplating this since I read the thing, the question. A um, couple of many, many, many circumstances in our life. One, um, when our son was a toddler and I was pregnant and we had no car and we could not afford a car. There was just no way. And when I'm pregnant, I'm sicker than a dog, and I, I really couldn't work and contribute to the family at that point. Um, and I can remember Jojo, you know, we're running to catch a bus, and I'm quite pregnant. And he goes, Mama, when do we get a car? I say, when Jesus gives us a car, <laughs> you know. And I mean, that's, that was just fact. It wasn't going to happen on our own. And... Uh, through the Lord dealing with somebody else, Deb Din Dinwiddie, for those who knew him, um, they gave us a car. So mm -hmm. that was such a blessing outside of what we could even think of. We had no idea what was God was doing. But on the realm, too, what Betty was saying, this has happened with each one of the kids. And there's a point where they get older and the influences of the world step in. And generally, in a lot of the situations, it's another a person of the opposite sex comes in who is not a person seeking after God and starts influencing. And you know you cannot, there's nothing you can say to that person, to, you know, to your child to make them not want to desire this person. In fact, it's the more you say, the more generally they <laughs> dig in, depending on the personality. Um, and I go to prayer. I pray that person out of their life. I don't, I'm not mean to them. You know, I, I try to accept them. You're, you know, they're, they're another human being. They are worthy of love, but they're not good for my child. And I, I get on my knees and I just say, Lord, remove them, please. And he has been faithful in each circumstance and remove them. Um. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw the question was um, our, with our two older boys, um, they came to us in foster care when they were uh, eight and 10. And um, we, uh, we didn't know how long we were gonna have them. We thought they were going with um, some grandparents, their birth grandparents, and that fell through. And um, so then uh, after over a year, we um, thought we are going to get to adopt them, and they were they were so excited about that. Of course, we were so excited about that, and um, we were in court um, 
we just had to check in ever so often through foster care with the court system and their birth parents and we were in court and even their birth parents were like, yes, this is a good plan. This is, you know, what we want. And um, we were sitting, I remember, in the hallway um, outside the courtroom and with them. And a social worker came over and said, we've just gotten a letter from their other set or their, their other birth grandma who said she doesn't feel like she's really had the opportunity to um, pursue adopting them. And so um, you have a week and they're going to go to Tennessee to be with her. And um, that was like, we just thought we're coming to the end of this giant journey with them and we're gonna get to adopt. And um, so that was like, wow, just like hit us. Um, and so they ended up going the next week. We, um, we uh, flew them, flew with them out to Tennessee and met all the family out there. And um, that was like really hard. Um, I remember pulling around the corner after we'd spent the weekend with the family and um, we pulled around the corner to, um, to go back to the airport and Casey just said, I can't drive. Like we were just sobbing. So we just sat there and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because these are our boys. And then we told them like, no matter what, you'll always be our kids. And, um, but we didn't know how, if we'd get to see them or what was gonna happen. And obviously you guys know the end of the story, we did. But um, they were there for over nine months and it was a horrible, horrible time. It, the, um, the family just wasn't set up to take care of them. And um, so we would call and check in and they, you know, had, they were open with us and, um, and still wanted us to be a part of the boys' lives, but not to be their mom and dad. And um, so we would still call them. And um, one day we uh, got a call from grandma. In the meantime, um, Ethan and Jordan, our two youngest, had just come to live with us also through foster care. And, um, and so she was calling just to check in to see how that was going. and. Um, because they're, uh, she's their grandma too. And um, anyway, in the process of the conversation, we started hearing all these um, really bad things were, were going on out there. And um, I said, um, my mom had come because we had just gotten Ethan and Jordan and that whole thing of not knowing what to do with the baby. So she'd come, we were in Las Vegas, she'd come from Salt Lake to help me out because I was like, I don't know what to do. And um, so she was there and I said, hang on, I'm gonna let you talk with Casey. And I handed the phone to Casey and I, w I remember walking in the living room where my mom was with our two little ones. And I said, mom, we have to pray. So we got down on our knees and prayed. And um, just in that, in that conversation while Casey was on the phone, you know, like when you're eavesdropping and you can just hear like what's going on, like on the one end, um, we just kept praying and praying just that God's will would be done for these boys. And I just said, mom, I just like, I know in my knower, like they're supposed to be here. And um, it wasn't just like an emotional thing. It was just like, I know that they're supposed to be here. And I'd been praying and praying and um, it's like in that moment, God broke through and uh, just the conversation started changing on, on Casey's and what we could hear. And he said, okay, well, I'm gonna see if I can get a plane ticket. I'm gonna come out, we'll get him. We'll deal with the social worker later. Like, we're just gonna, so it was like a rescue mission. He like hopped on the plane the next day, flew out, got the boys and brought him back and then had left a message for the social worker saying, we have the boys, like they're there with us. And, um, but it was just, I remember so distinctly in that moment, like just God just cut through all the stuff and um, brought them back. So that was cool. That's cool. I really like in, in, in but, <laughs> I still twitch at the story. Um, but in all three stories, what was um, what, what I was hearing is how the kids actually got to see what God was doing. Right? It wasn't just something that happened for you, but it happened for the kids too, and they got to be part of that, and how that must have built faith. Um, I love this question. I think it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about. How do you handle fear and or anxiety as a mom? 
Okay, I've dealt with this a lot, um, just in all the stuff going on with our kiddos. Like, that was the other thing that um, I would say is, like, um, like stuff's not still just hunky-dory with our family. There's a lot of stuff going on um, with our older boys still and has been for a long time, and so the fight's not over yet. But um, uh, there's a, uh, in Philippians, it says, um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, um, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And that is like it to me. And then it says like, um, when you do that, when you bring your petitions and your praises to God, like there's this sense of wholeness, his peace that comes over you that you cannot even explain. Like we don't even understand it's happening. And so for me, like that is like the biggest answer to all of my prayers, like ongoing, like always, is just in that moment where something has happened. I mean, we've had crazy things happen. Like kids like, in jail and drugs and um, abuse and like all sorts of crazy going on. And it's just like in that moment, like when I take it to God and I pray and it's like just um, like God gives you scriptures to pray over your kids if you'll ask him and just speaking that truth over them, like there's just this sense of peace that comes and I can think clearly and I might have to do that like 500 times in an hour, but just taking it back to him every single time is just like that's it. Simple prayer. God help. I can't do it. You know, and like she says, could be 500 times in an hour. Got to do it because he's the only place where there's peace. And he's the only place where there's an answer to all of that crap that is out of our control. Yeah. Praying uh, and and sometimes I mean I I mean I can think of some instances where the anxiety did not leave right away even as I was praying and so it had to be just trusting holding on and trusting this is going to be a ride there are just a few things I mean sometimes you experience the peace right away. But there's sometimes in my life where I haven't, and I've just been reminded to be persistent in faith, to hold on for all your worth, do not let go, and do not give up. You know, you, you put your flag in this hill, and you will not be moved. You may fall apart, and um, you may have to pick up the pieces over and over again and pray again and again and again. But if you will not be weary in well-doing and you persist, you know what God has promised you and you hang on to it and trust him and do not let go, uh, it will produce fruit. Mm. Um, my next question I think I can, I can ask in one word. And no offense to anyone in the room. So my next question is teenagers. <laughs> Just a general she really wants you to be quiet so she can hear what's coming up next you know i i do not think you can survive the teen years without developing humility. <laughs> uh, 
And, and maybe that's God's plan. Okay, Betty, you need humility. <laughs> Here's some teenagers. And um, because, you know, they're, they're so sweet when they're little and so respectful. And then all of a sudden you're like, what happened? <laughs> and um, I don't know. And in me, I mean, I grew up in the South and it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, you know, uh, a pretty strong culture of respect. And, but I'm sure the same thing happens down there that happens up here. Um, you know, they just reach that stage, they're finding their own place, and sometimes they don't realize how they're coming across mouthy, you know, and uh, <laughs> difficult. And, um, and if you come unglued every time that happens, I mean, you, I mean, you can. I guess you can be heavy-handed and, uh, you know, but I, I, I decided this that Jesus, in his discipling, he had 12 children, you know, and uh, <laughs> probably many more. And um, I don't see any instance in Scripture where Jesus demanded respect. It was given to him. And so if you, I've, now that's not to say with teenagers you don't <clears throat> set certain limits and boundaries. You do. But um, cultivating that is, is quite a journey. And eventually, if you behave respectfully toward them, firm but respectfully toward them, they will eventually give you that respect. I think that's like God's greatest joke. <laughs> Teenagehood. Um, you know, it, it's a medical fact that when the hormones kick in, they flood the brain, and the brain starts disconnecting uh, all of its little things. That's a fact. So, and it doesn't fully come all back together again until they're 25. Now, it's kind of scary that there are a lot of major life decisions made before you're 25, and they don't have a full brain they're working on. So, <laughs> Dave and I would often say, oh, your brain damage, that's right, we, we understand that. You know? <laughs> It'll, it'll be better when you're 25, you know. Um, it, it's, a, it's quite the dichotomy because that's the age, the time that you're supposed to start letting go and letting them be their own person. Learning, they have to learn what it's like to be an adult. You have to let them make decisions and, and fail. Um, when they're little, you still have, like she says, the control, but at that point, you're supposed to be teaching them how to be responsible people. And it's really hard when they're working on very little brain cells. <laughs> you know, but, but so like I say, that's kind of God's sense of humor that way. Um, but there, yeah, you pray a lot. And, there, and, and the thing is so hard because we're all damaged people, is you've got to be a really good example of what you want them to turn out to be. If you keep presenting them with a crazy, screamy person, you're kind of modeling to them that that's what adulthood looks like, you know? So in a way, we are being transformed in that time too. You know, those who are walking with the Lord, you've got to learn 
what it really means to be an adult, what it really means to be responsible and respectful and to really let the glory of God shine through and not this defective person, you know. So it, it's a, it's a tightrope walk. <laughs> Everything they said, I think. <laughs> I'm like getting, so I should be taking notes right now. But... <laughs> I, um, We're still in that phase. <laughs> I, <laughs> I heard somebody say once that, like, um, you know, a lot of times we say to teenagers, like, well, you have to earn my trust, you know, like, but at the same time, we have to show them that we can be trusted, and that's a big deal for them at that time when they're um, just navigating life and more independence and choices and um, stuff's going on, and um, I think... We reminded all of our kiddos, like, yeah, your brain's not fully developed. Like, <laughs> we are recognizing this. I like that you're saying that. Um, but that I have to keep in mind, like, I, I have to be who God's asking me to be in their life still. Like, um, they're well saying, like, um, because they need to be able to know, like, mom is going to be who God's asking her to be no matter what I'm doing. And that's so hard sometimes when... And they make a choice that you're like, oh, I have to deal with that, and I don't want to. I wish I didn't even know what was going on, because then I could just pretend I didn't know, and I wouldn't have to deal with this. But sometimes, um, like that, I know people say tough love, but that is, it's so tough, you guys, when you just, you love them so much, and you have to make really hard choices about, um, about what you're going to do, um, and just knowing that ultimately, like, my job is to be who God's calling me to be in their life. And um, sometimes that they don't, a lot of times they don't like that during that time. And also I think the other thing is that, um, like, teenagers do get a bad rap sometimes, but you don't have to be that kind of a teenager. We know that you're going to make mistakes. We all are making mistakes, but you can you can just defy all odds and, like, blow people's minds with, like, who you could be in this moment right now walking through that. And I know some of you are doing that. And so thank you for being those people because not only do like your friends need that and your family, but just like all of us to see like there's hope, you know, so thank you. Awesome. All right, last question. We'll let you guys off the hot seat. Uh, what advice do you have for moms or what, what advice would you leave us with today? Maybe for moms or supporting moms or uh, what would you leave? We'll ask the worship team to come forward too. But what advice would you give moms? Um, I think for me, it's just not losing, um, not losing who God is asking me to be. And that's different at different times. I feel like not like I've changed into some other person at different times of life, but like it's, I'm constantly, like God is working in me all the time. And it is a lot like I, there were parts that came out of me being a mom that I didn't even know were still there. I thought I had taken care of that personally. Like I took care of that God. I'm good. And then, whoa, that just came out of me. Like that's not okay with me. You know, but God constantly working in me. And the other thing is like, um, I had to figure out how to be who God was asking me to be, even if other people around me didn't think that that was what I was supposed to be doing, you know? And, um, that was really hard for me because I was, um, like just wanted to please people and um I had to be confident and this is what God is calling me to do um as a mom and um be confident in what God was asking and spend that time with him so that I could maintain that confidence 
think one thing I've learned over time is I am, I'm God's child, and all the things I struggle with with the kids that have been brought into my life, I've manifested that to God. And he's dealt with me so calmly and so lovingly and so perfectly. And I have that available to me because God indwells and his Holy Spirit guides and counsels. So you have an advocate. You have someone who knows how to be a perfect parent. And so even if you fail at certain things, God will be there to guide and, and also to hold you as his child when you do fall and fail. And he's a good, loving parent and a good, loving teacher. Yeah, um, well, a, n a number of little isolated things come to me, but <clears throat> all our children, um, you know, it's a long journey. And uh, if you think, I mean, I hear this a lot, oh, well, I've got this child till they're 18. Well, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> way beyond 18. Shoot. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, think, of course it changes. But uh, in significant ways, but it, you never stop being a mom or a dad. And, um, and uh, no matter what age your child is, they need a touch. They need your hand. They need to feel your presence. And um, I, I, I learned that when, in those teen years because they're so prickly, you do not want to touch them. You, <laughs> want to keep a little safe distance, you know. But that's when they need it all the more, when they're confused and angry and irritated with you. They need your hugs and your touches all the more during that time. And also, as a mom, you need, um, you need your husband if he's in your life, you know. Um, sometimes it's, we, moms can develop this efficiency and they think they don't need anybody else, you know. Um, and, or he's not doing it like I would do it, but that's a good thing, you know. And so I would just encourage you to give your husband space to be who he is and don't expect that he's going to do parenting quite the way you do. You just come to the best consensus you can together and work together, you know. Awesome. And pray a lot, a lot, <laughs> and don't give up. I think it's very appropriate that we're in a prayer series right now, and Mother's Day pops right kind of in the middle of that. Well, thank you all so much. That was really a blessing. Uh, let's all stand. You know, I think in, in closing, you know, it's important, and I think we've acknowledged it a bit already this morning, but Mother's Day is not a joyous occasion for everyone. And, you know, I was thinking, I actually wrote some down here of um, different things that could be going on. You know, as you listen to a, a panel of really great moms, um, maybe it can bring up some, um, some pain if you didn't have that type of mom. And I just, I think today God wants to just heal that.
And I think <laughs> most of us have bigger dad wounds, but I think there are definitely mom wounds. I think it could also bring up um, some anxiety over parenting and being a mom. You know, it's, it's so much pressure. And uh, there was a mom in our life who I know that just so loved her kids and wanted to do the best for them, but because of mental health and drugs and like it just kept her from being that person that every bit of her wanted to be. So I, I think it could bring up that. I, I think it could bring anxiety up about trying to measure up to being a mom and a wife. And, you know, in our society, there's so much with that. And, and I just think God wants to say this morning, there's grace for that and there's healing for that and there's encouragement and there's others that have been through this that will partner with you, that will pray with you, that will cry with you. Ten minutes with my wife, she will cry with you, I promise. Uh, that will we'll walk this journey with you together. You know, and, and uh, I can't help but thinking of one of the most touching moments in Scripture is Jesus up on the cross in immense pain that, you know, the, the whole plan of salvation like, is, is being done. And he stops and he says, uh, Mom, meet your son. Son, meet your mom. So he takes this moment for his earthly mom and connects her with his best friend because he knows he's dying. He's, he's you know, not going to be here physically in the same way. That just God's love for that. So today, I just as we do this last song, and uh, I'm going to do a little different prayer, folks, if you would come up. Um, we have people that are here that would love to pray with you um, about this, but let's, let's take this all to God and surrender um, any of this to him today. Let me pray. God, you're so gracious to us, and Lord, I'm so humbled by the fact that no matter um, if a part of our life is missing, something we should have had, God, that you come in and you fill that gap and, and you bring healing and restoration, God. And I thank you for the grace that where we screw up, God, even big screw-ups, that you say your love is enough, God, that your grace, your forgiveness is there. And so I just pray for everyone here today, God, that we would honor um, our moms, our grandmoms, God, that we would um, be a place that celebrates motherhood and celebrates the, the immense task that that is. And we'll give you all the glory for it. In the name of Jesus.